0: Welcome back, everybody. So, I'm so glad that you are here today listening to the Word of God, and, and I'm so happy that you're ready to go deep into God's Word today. I want to start a, a new series today, uh, and it's called The Man in the Mirror. Okay, and the title of my message today is Sons of God. Okay, uh, in last week's Word, I said that, uh, I made a statement and I said that when we apply God's word in our life, we manifest or reproduce or produce a glory. All right, I hope you remember that. Um, I want you to go right now to Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. Um, We'll read from verse 18 and 19. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So the title of my message today is the sons of God. So Paul is saying that the sufferings of this present time are not cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So, the, so when I said last week that the word of God, when it's applied in your life, it produces pearls or glory. That glory, ladies and gentlemen, is, carries in itself uh, the nature for redemption. And so according to what Paul is saying today, the sons of God manifest a glory that that redeems all of creation and all of creation is longing for the revealing or the manifestation of the sons of God. The word sons of God is the word huyos over there. It's talking about a mature son. I, I spoke about how we need to mature in the word of God. Right? So we need to understand that this glory that is revealed from us, that is revealed through our lives, is a that it comes from a place where you are secure in your identity as a son of God. All right. This is very important that we understand this because it sets the the foundation or the context of my message for today. So there's a glory that is revealed through us that all of creation is longing for. They're longing for the manifestation of the, the or the revealing of the sons of God. Who, the sons of God are the ones who apply the word of God in their life and from. The, applying the word of God in their life, they begin to manifest a glory that all of creation needs. This glory is a redemptive glory. So we must understand that, there, that, there are, that, that Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, was a, a ministry of reconciliation. That Jesus came to reconcile uh, humanity to a father. This is the the ministry of Jesus. But the ministry of the sons of God is different. The ministry of the sons of God is a ministry of redemption. Where we now begin to manifest a glory that all of creation begins to get redeemed from. Why do they need to get redeemed from? Uh, Let's actually read verse 20. It says, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself will also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So what what I'm trying to say here today is that when you apply the word of God in your life, there is a glory that is manifested by the grace of God in your life. When that glory is manifested out of your life, it begins to to, uh, call all those things that God has created, everything in nature, all of God's creation, whether it's the trees in your house, whether it is the mountains, the seas, the the valleys, the, the fish in the sea, the animals, the stars in the sky, all of creation is longing for you to manifest the glory of God. This is a huge, huge responsibility. We must understand that our identity as sons of God and our purpose of redemption is very closely linked together. You cannot separate your identity as a son of God and your purpose of of revealing or manifesting the glory of God. Redemption, which is your purpose, and identity, which is son of God, is closely linked together. In the kingdom of God, we cannot uh, separate your identity from your relationship with God. In fact, in the kingdom of God, you are first relational and then functional. You, have, you are restored back to a right relationship with the Father so that you can redeem all creation. Jesus He, he reconciled all of humanity to God. Right He reconciled So to those who believe in Jesus, you are now brought into the kingdom of God and you receive a father. and now you are reconciled back to the Father so that now Jesus, who is not physically on the earth, right you are physically on the earth. So Jesus is in heaven and he released his spirit. It's the spirit of the Son that lives on the inside of you. That spirit of the sun begins to manifest the glory of the sun. so all of creation is longing for the glory that is manifested by the sons of God. Why? It's because God had subjected them into futility. That word futility meant corruption or, or perishing, which means all everything that God has created will corrupt until the sons of God begin to manifest the glory of God. It is so important to understand our purpose on the earth. Jesus is not on the earth, but you are. And so when the spirit of God, the spirit of the son begins to live on the inside of you and manifest glory, all of creation begins to get attracted to you because they want you to redeem them from the curse of corruption. Our, our responsibility to manifest glory is not to enjoy a good life. Our responsibility to manifest glory is redemption for all of creation. You could be walking down the street and a plant could be dying. And your presence next to that tree manifesting glory, the glory of God from your obedience to God's word could literally save a plant's life. If you look at that, Now think about going to the hospital. You walk into the hospital as a glorious son of God. And this glory, everything that is on the earth, that is in corruption, a sick person, a person who is in sick is experiencing corruption in their body. And because of that now, you are walking into that hospital and and the glory of God is beginning to manifest out of your life. And this glory begins to save people. You don't even need to lay hands on the sick. You just walk into the room and people will begin to get healed. Come on, that is the glory of a mature son. A son does not even have to speak. His presence in a, in a place where there is corruption brings, he begins to manifest his glory, brings redemption and restoration to all of creation. Our responsibility really is to be fruitful, multiply and also replenish the earth that's the that's the responsibility that we have as maturing sons of god so this glory that is that is a redemptive glory is comes from a place where you are secure in your identity as a son of god this is very important that you understand that because there is also a glory that is released through a child of God, that carries the mindset of an orphan, that carries the consciousness of an orphan. And that glory, ladies and gentlemen, can fade away. So the, so the, the restorative glory, the glory that can never fade away, the glory uh, it, 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 that will increase, the ever-increasing glory comes from a place when you are secure in your identity as a son and daughter of God. Uh, we, we could be going through the worst season of our lives right now. This pandemic could be the worst season of our lives. and, and Or there could be a circumstance or situation in your, in your life. You could have had a doctor's report. You could have lost your job. Uh, you, don't, you don't have finances. You don't know how you could travel out of this country. You, you might feel like you are stuck in this moment. But I'll tell you something. The sons of God who are secure in their identity... Have experience peace. You experience provision, God's provision. You experience uh, 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 belonging. To a family. You experience uh, the love of the Father, the perfect love of the Father. You experience the joy of the Lord. Everything around you will tell you that you should not be joyful, but because you are in your perfect identity, you are so secure in your Father that your Father has got your back. Your Father will take care of you. Your Father will provide for you. Your Father will protect you. Your Father will heal your body. And this gives you such an assurance. That's how you know that you are in your perfect identity as a son of God. But on the other hand, this pandemic or these circumstances come to reveal your identity it comes to reveal whether you start fretting, whether you start striving in this season, whether you feel abandoned by God, whether you feel abandoned by people. Man, I went to this church, man, and you know these people said they love me, and now when this pandemic hit, nobody loves me. Nobody calls me. Nobody says hi to me. Me 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 me. That's all your life is about. And and you you feel you feel low all the time. You feel depressed all the time. You you look at everything that is happening uh, in, in a very pessimistic manner and you feel like you're a because God has failed you in this season. I want to tell you, you might be a child of God, you might be manifesting a glory, but that glory is momentary, it fades away. Only because your identity is not secure in the Father's love. Your identity is not secure that you are a son of God. If you're a son of God, ladies and gentlemen, you're worth to heaven is very high. You have such a high value for yourself because you, you don't need money to tell you that you are valued by heaven. You don't need riches and, and all the pleasures of this world to, reveal, to tell you that you are loved by God. You don't need miracle signs and wonders to confirm that you're a, a child of God. But your, if your identity is secure as a son and a daughter of God, There is such a provision that comes in your life. There's such a security in in the worst turmoil. There's this place of absolute peace. And it is in this place that you begin to manifest glory. You can be experiencing pain in your body. But you will begin to experience a glory beyond anything else. You might be experiencing suffering... But let me tell you something, Paul is saying there's a glory that is being manifested through the one who is secure in his identity in Christ Jesus. So there are two types of glory that is manifested from a child of God. You can be a child of God and you can have your identity secure in God and you can manifest the glory from it. But you can also be a child of God, but carry on the inside of you the consciousness of an orphan. Carry on the inside of you an unrenewed mind of an orphan. That you can be adopted in the kingdom but still be an orphan in the kingdom. And when you when you have that, you do manifest a glory. I spoke about the, the farmer that 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 came that so that sower that came to sow the seed last week you can go to church and you can receive the word of God in your life and as an orphan, you will go there looking to get something out of the word. But when you have the mindset of a son, you, you go to church and you, you, you have the mindset of receiving the word. There's, some, there's a difference between going to get something out of, out of God rather and, or rather making yourself available to God for God to sow seed into your life. This is very important that you understand that when you, are, when you have the mindset of an orphan, you produce a glory. It could be, you, it could be uh, you could be an orphan and not care about the word of God. You just want attendance, church attendance. And so you'll go there and the, and the devil, literally Jesus says, the devil comes and steals the word from you. Or you could be an orphan uh, that, that has a very shallow understanding of the word of God. You've not allowed uh, this, the, the revelation of God's word uh, and sonship to go deep into your heart. And there are issues, there are father issues, fatherless issues on the inside of you. There's, there, there's rocks and thorns and thistles that really restrict the word from going deep into your heart. And you do produce a glory, but it's just momentary. It fades away. But there's a glory that the sons of God produce. and and this glory is an ever increasing glory but it all comes it stems down to your identity your identity as a son of God And I'm praying today and I'm believing that that there will be a shift in your mindset. My my hope uh, is for you not to feel condemned through this message. My hope for you is to feel encouraged to go before God and allow God to deal with your heart and deal with this mindset. But it all stems down from this thing called the application of the word. Now James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, uh, be doers, don't just be hearers of the word but be doers of the word and, and it's vitally important for us to understand that you can be an orphan and a doer of the word or you can be a son and a doer of the word it all boils down to your identity you can be, you can be a, a, an orphan and a doer of the word but actually not care much about the word you only care about the results so temporary results are good enough for you Or you could be a son who is secure in your identity not looking for temporary results but looking for an everlasting harvest. Wow this is so powerful. This is such a good word. We're looking sons look for the long term and they don't just look for one harvest they look for a harvest that starts with 30 fold and after it's taken out there's a 60 fold from the same seed and then after it's taken out there's a 100 fold harvest. Come on, this is powerful. I I hope you're receiving this word right now. And so I want to let everybody know that you are responsible for the word that you receive. A farmer does not go to the sower and ask him, what have you done with the seed? Where's my harvest? But the farmer goes to the land. He checks the soil. Why is there no harvest coming out of this? So God comes to check you. He comes to check your identity. Is this coming from your heart? Is this identity? Are you looking just for temporary things? Or are you looking for long-term, ever-increasing glory? And I'm believing that Life Church Global, that you are the one, you are secure in your identity as a son of God. And and you are are ready to produce a harvest of 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold from the same seed. Come on now, this is very, very important. So we must understand that when I said that this, this consciousness has been around for a long time, it actually started with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. They were hearers of the word, but they were not doers of the word. And that's why I, I, I said that, that it's important for us to, when we go to church, when we receive the word of God, you know, don't just be a connoisseur of the word. Oh, you just click. Oh, wow. You know, what a, what a word, pastor. Wow. You know, no, it's good for you to celebrate it, but it's also very good for you to apply it because God's not, going, not, God's not coming to you and asking you, oh, how well did you celebrate my word in church? He's going to come and look for the harvest. He's looking for the harvest in your life. He's not looking how well you received the word. He's looking for the harvest. And so we see Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 2. Man, they were experiencing God firsthand. They experienced creation. They were created by God. They experienced God's presence in fellowship in the garden. They experienced God's creation in an unlimited supply. They could, have had, they could have eaten of any tree in the garden. But God said to them, do not eat of that one tree. And it was that one tree that they went to and they ate from. You must understand that disobedience comes from being misled by another voice disobedience is the fruit of unbelief in your life when you choose to not believe god it positions you to believe another voice jesus says that the world's unbelief the world's unbelief in me is sin and ladies and gentlemen the bible says that sin separates us from god It is not. It is not. uh, It it, it doesn't separate God from you. Please understand very carefully. Sin separates us from God. So when we, if we look at what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, when they, when they disobeyed God, they, they, God had to um, remove them out of the garden because you can't, you can't inherit an eternal promise and live in sin. You can't inherit an eternal promise because your identity is one that causes the eternal promise to have only temporary glory. This is powerful. You must get it today. When we receive an eternal promise, the eternal promise reproduces glory over a long period of time. In fact, the glory keeps maturing as your identity keeps maturing. Your authority matures as your identity matures. Your authority in the kingdom of God doesn't mature because your, your prayers are answered. We think that, oh, God answered my prayer today. I prayed for a, a person that had a headache or that person got healed. Wow, well, oh, you know, now my authority has is, 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 is grown. Now I'm going to pray for someone with cancer and wow, the cancer got healed. Now my authority has grown. No, ladies and gentlemen, your authority in the kingdom is very closely linked to your identity as a son of God. We must understand that everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to us, including his authority. And so the more I understand, the more I allow my mind to be renewed by God's word, I mature in my identity. When I mature in my identity, I can steward the authority of the kingdom of God. This is very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. This, this is, and this is just foundation today. I'm just doing foundation. From where we're going to go, I'm telling you, God is going to do awesome things in our life. So, coming back to our dear friends Adam and Eve. They were, when they disobeyed God, they were misled. Remember this word, misled. They were misled by another voice. Their own desires, okay? Their own desires caused them to disobey God. Another voice came and it highlighted that they were orphans. Not sons. Come on. It's just powerful. Then another voice came. Did God say? And so they were like, Yeah, maybe, um, maybe, maybe, maybe he didn't, maybe he did. But I want to, that fruit looks really good. I, I want to, I want to try. Not the Lord is leading me to try it. Sons are obedient to the voice of God. They're led by the Holy Spirit. They're not misled. They're led by the Holy Spirit. And so whenever now these two voices come at you, these two programs like I was talking earlier, whenever that program comes, it comes to highlight and reveal to you where your identity is. And you have to be very sharp in that season. When those two voices come, you have to be very sharp because it reveals your identity. If you're just looking for temporary things, temporary satisfaction, I want this, this is for me, this is for me, I want this, I need to do something for my life. If that is your attitude, then the word is revealing that you're, you have the mindset of an orphan. And so when they, they ate of that fruit, God had to cast them out of the garden. It was a painful thing god's own creation he had to cast them out of the garden it would have been a a painful experience for god to release his own creation from the garden but he had to do it because it was it was good for them but you must understand that adam and eve would have experienced fatherlessness a father who created them, God uh, uh, as a creator, w- who has moved them out of his, out of his presence. He, there was no communication. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that after Adam and Eve left the garden that they had a communication, a fellowship with God. There was this separation that they experienced. And it was that separation, that, that fatherlessness, that, that feeling of being abandoned, that feeling of being rejected, that permeated into the, hum, into the human DNA. A consciousness of, of, the, of being an orphan, it permeated into the DNA of every human being that, was, that ever came after Adam. That there is an orphan on the inside of every one of us. But even if you have your parents, you still feel like an orphan. And it is because Adam entertained sin into his life. He brought in, the Bible says that because of one man's sin, sin entered the world. And so you have Adam now who and Eve who are experiencing being an, what it means to be an orphan. And over generation, generation after generation after generation, this consciousness was moving from one generation to another. And every generation that was born after Adam, the the orphan mindset became worse. It became greater and greater and greater till being an orphan or feeling like an orphan or experiencing orphan um, uh, 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 mindset became normal for human beings. It became normal to be depressed. It, became, it is normal to be rejected. It is normal, you can just sit by yourself and feel depressed. You, you, you can just sit by yourself and feel lonely. I mean, this, this pandemic that has just come around has really revealed what is in your identity. It has really revealed you sat at home, you can't meet your friends, you can't fellowship, you can't belong, you can't go to church, and it's, you're just sitting in front of a TV by yourself. And it, it, you, you people were battling loneliness during the season. Why? It's because God in this season is revealing that our identity has been influenced by the mindset of an orphan. And this is very important that we understand this, ladies and gentlemen, because our children will carry what we don't deal with. And because Adam and Eve did not deal with this fatherlessness their sons began to do the same thing. Now, if you, if you go to Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, I, wanna, I just want to read uh, the story of Cain and Abel and I want you to, to see how rejection caused Cain to make a very huge mistake. And it says in verse 1, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, "I have acquired a man from the Lord." Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. You must understand this: Cain was tilling the ground that God cursed. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also bought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Okay, so it's very important. that now, now just look up at me for a few minutes. You, you must understand what's happened here. They, they come before God to, and they bring their offering. Now we know from fruit and vegetables that we don't know what is the first amongst the lot. But from the animals we know what is the firstborn. Yeah. And so Abel now brings his choicest firstborn to God. And God looks at it and he says, I see his heart. His heart is to give me the best. But Cain brings an offering, which means that his heart was not in it. And so God respects Abel because Abel's heart was after God. But then he he doesn't accept Cain's offering. And so Cain begins to feel what his father felt. He felt rejection. And so because of that, his countenance falls and God comes to Cain and says, why is your countenance fallen? In, in, modern, in modern terms, pastors asking a congregation member, how's life? <laughs> What's happening in your life? Looks like your countenance has fallen. What's happening in your life? Oh, no, no, no. Everything is good. Everything is good. Really, it doesn't look like it. It's because we know, as your father, as your spiritual father and mother, we know what is happening. I don't know that, I don't need to know the details, but I just know from looking at you, there's a glory that has faded away. That's powerful. And so God says to Cain now, He says, Cain, sin is at the door of your heart. And you need to master it. You're in this moment right now, your identity is being revealed. But sin is at the, you're just about to sin. God comes to rescue, if God did not love him or reject him, God would not have pursued Cain. But he pursues him and he says, he knows what he's about to do. And he wants to save him. But Cain goes ahead anyways and kills his brother. This is such an important story for us because we need to understand what the source of our identity is. The source of Cain's identity was because, was in his father's identity. His father was rejected and so now he brought an offering that caused him to be rejected before God. Abel was a a type of Jesus in this story right here. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was the only begotten of the father. The Jews thought that they were the sons of God. And they crucified Jesus because he said, he claimed that he was the only begotten of the Father. We must understand that if you're of the lineage of Adam, you're not of the seed of God. To be the only begotten of the Father, you need to have the seed of God give you life. And that's why it is so important for us to apply the word of God in our life. We receive the seed, the seed of God. It confirms and it affirms and it grows our identity on the inside as sons of God. This is so powerful. Very powerful. And so here we see that Jesus was rejected by the people that he came to save. And a lot of times people in church who have the mindset of an orphan reject the very thing that God has blessed. They reject the very person that God has blessed and accepted and said, hey listen, this person, I'm going to bless them because their heart is for me. And so when a person who has an orphan's mindset comes into a church environment, they're just looking, they're so jealous of the one, of the brother that God has chosen, they feel rejected because God has not rejected them, but they just feel rejected anyways. Because their identity is in the wrong place. They feel rejected and so because they feel rejected that God has accepted somebody else more than me, they actually go out and kill the very person or harm the very person or speak against the very person that God has blessed and God has instituted to be a blessing, a source of blessing to their life. It's very strange that the, that the very people that God has, has put in our life to be a blessing to us, those are the very people that we actually curse. Those are the very people that we actually speak against. Those are the very people, those are the pastors, those are the spiritual mothers and fathers that we actually disobey. In 1 Samuel 13, we see that Saul, King Saul, uh, who who was God's chosen one, uh, is in his third year uh, of reign over Israel, and he takes about three thousand men and he goes out to war with with the with the Philistines, and his uh, and his son Jonathan uh, goes out and takes out a garrison of twenty people, uh, and uh, and so the news spreads out, and now the Philistines come to attack Israel and there's 30,000 uh, uh, you know uh, 30,000 chariots 6,000 horsemen and people uh, like the sand on the seashore there's millions of them that come to take out 3,000 people you must understand how intimidated the enemy was anyways so the, the story was that that, uh, that Saul now was meant to wait for Samuel, the prophet Samuel, uh, to come to do a sacrifice to the Lord before they go to war. And uh, Samuel gave him a time and he doesn't keep the time. And so now when something like that happens, it really exposes the orphan in you. Oh, you know that brother, he gave me his word and then did not keep it. Oh, his your word is powerful. No, your word just binds you. It's a program that binds the hearer. And when when people don't keep their word, we go oh, get disappointed, we feel let down. No, well, that that happened because God is exposing there's an orphan on the inside of you. And so now Saul now decides that that he looks at the people, they were all scared around him, they were fretting, they were trembling, and all that kind of stuff, so he decided now i 'm going to do the offering before God because i don 't know when these Philistines are going to come and, and finish us off so he 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 operates not from perfect peace but he operates from fear and anxiety, and so he goes and does the offering, and when he finishes the offering, this is like a like a movie, you know. Prophet Samuel shows up. And he goes, what have you done? And he said, hey, you know, you were supposed to... He puts the blame, you know, on somebody else. You know, that's, uh, that's typical often mindset. Blame somebody else. And so we see that, that Saul is blaming Samuel. He said, you were supposed to come at this time, and then you didn't show up. And because of that now, you know, I had to do it. And so now Sam Samuel is really upset, and he prophesies over him. And he says that God... Because you operated in disobedience, God has rejected you. Please understand, this is Old Testament. Okay, But you must understand that, that, that I'm exposing now the mindset of the orphan. It is because things were not happening according to plan, he decided to go ahead and do his own thing. And so now Samuel comes to him and says, Listen, God has rejected you, but he has accepted another whose heart is after God. This is such a phenomenal statement about David because David was a man after God's own heart. What does it mean, being, being after God's own heart? It means that David's heart fully wanted to be in obedience to God. Whatever was God's will for his life and whatever was God's will for the nation of Israel, David wanted his heart to fully, obey it. That's what it means. It, when, when you say, hey, my heart is after you, God, it's not only when you sing songs or, or when you worship, or, or worshippers love this, my heart is after you, my heart is only for you. It's not in songs, ladies and gentlemen, it's in the state of obedience. It's when you obey God with your whole heart, that's when God looks at the heart and says, this man is after my heart. And so now we see that Saul spends years trying to kill the very thing that God blessed. If his heart was for the nation, if his heart was for the people, he would not run after David. In fact, if he was a true father, if he was in true sonship, he would not kill. there, There were moments where, in this very passage that he even wanted to kill his own son, Jonathan. But we see that through Saul's life and through David's life, David was on the run because Saul wanted to kill him. And we see so many people in church these days, so many people, because things are not going according to how they want it to go. Their lives are at stake, their money is at stake. They just start killing the very promise that God has blessed. And we, we, see, we see churches doing this to other churches. We see pastors doing it to other pastors. Preachers do, doing it to other preachers. Because in this season of obedience, God decided, decided to favor one person. Every other person who thought they were favored by God starts persecuting that one. I mean, you're killing the very promise that God wanted to release into the world. This is the heart of an orphan and I want to I wanna take you to 10 things right now that will, that will reveal in your heart whether your identity is secure as a son of God or as an orphan. But when I'm saying this, okay, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody, okay, I'm saying that we all have a level of an orphan on the inside of us. God has set us free for sure, but our mind is not renewed. So, as I begin to show you these behavior patterns, right, you need, to be the, the, you need to discern this over your life and judge your own heart. Don't judge me, okay, judge your own heart. Okay, don't judge the person sitting next to you, because that is the typical orphan. <laughs> judge your own heart, okay. Don't, husband, don't look at your wife and say, listen, yeah, see, Pastor John is saying this, this is what I saw in you. No, this is a moment where you have to judge your own heart, okay, your own mindset. All right, the first thing is that he or she, if I say he, it means she also, okay? Um, he operates their life out of insecurity. But a child of God functions from a place of love and acceptance. You feel insecure all the time. Like, like you don't know that your father has got you. Oh, it's been five years, I have not seen this breakthrough in my life. Yeah, that's because the orphan mindset is still ruling in your life. God wants to bless you, but he knows that that blessing, which is meant to be eternal, will become temporary in your life. So he withholds till you mature, till you come out of security, till you come out of insecurity and become secure in your relationship with God. The second thing is he is jealous of the success of his brothers. But a child of God celebrates his brother's success. In fact... He serves him so much, the brother that God favoured. This, this brother serves him so much so that he can be more successful. I mean, we, we've got to see this in our church. We've got to see this in the churches. We've got to see this in our businesses. if if we see that the favor of God is on another person in our church sitting next to us we need to go and serve them so that they can become more successful why? it's because when God sees your heart of serving them the favor that is on their life will begin to flow over your life this is very important that you understand this the third thing he serves God to earn the father's love the fourth thing is that orphans are driven by the need of success. They're not satisfied. Success means for, for a child of God, we, when we say you're successful, we're saying that you are fully mature in your identity as a son of God. Because everything out of that is just glorious. But a, but a, but a, but a, but a person who's struggling with an orphan's mindset, is driven by I need more, I need I need more money. I have this house, now I want a bigger house. I have this car, now I want a bigger car, I want this, I have this phone, now I want five phones. No. Because it's they, they have such low self-worth that they need all these things to to validate this emptiness on the inside. The fifth one, they carry this this is famous, you know, as a pastor of a church, I see this all the time. They carry a sense of being needy all the time because there's a desire for them to belong you know our church we, we, we say this, uh, you belong before you believe and it's, it's about understanding that we don't need you to become like us in order to belong to us you're, when you come into our church, you're family and we treat you like family but there are people who, are, who, who, want, who come into our church needy needy please love me nobody smiled at me at the door today nobody said hi to me nobody greeted me nobody prayed for me 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 I came I came to the church and they gave me a seat far away I wanted to sit next to the pastor but I'm put over there me 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 needy All the time. You know that sister, she looked at me like that way and I thought she was angry with me. It's needy. You are the center of your focus of your life. Your needs, your, your needs are not met by God and so now you look to people you want to go to church because you want your needs met. I want to serve in the worship team because I want to feel like I'm a, there's a need in my life for me to, to play music and do this because I want the applause of the people. I want, I want to feel validated in my life. It comes from a place of low self-worth. In fact, you don't even know how much God values you even before you started doing anything in the worship team or the guest services or the creative team or even this video team. Even before you started serving in this team, God was already pleased with you. And if you can step into your perfect identity, you will not look to man to fulfill your needs. In fact, you will look to man to fulfill their needs. What can I do for you? Who can I say hi to? Who can I greet? Who can, who, when can I pick up the chairs after the service? When can I serve? How can I serve? That's a son who is secure, not looking to me, me, me. I want you to invite me to come. No, you won't get that invitation. So the sixth one, they serve not from a place of knowing the father's acceptance, but looking for the father's acceptance. You know, as a, as a father over over our church, I see this so many times. People serving in various ministries looking for me to come to them and say, Well done. You did a great job. We love you in this family. And if it does not happen... Oh, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, Pastor John has a problem with me. Pastor John doesn't love me. He doesn't even say hi to me. He doesn't even care for me. He doesn't even say, hey, well done. First day he said, well done. And after that, he doesn't even care for me. Yeah, but you must understand that an orphan's mindset is always looking for acceptance from people because you are not accepted by the Father, by your Heavenly Father. What a, what a, what a beautiful world we would live in. What an awesome church we would have if everybody walked into that place fully accepted, knowing that you are fully accepted by your heavenly father. And you're not looking for, for someone to affirm you, but in fact you're looking for someone to affirm. Number seven is that an often lacks self-esteem. They lack self-worth that comes from a place of insecurity and not having a personal revelation of sonship. I've seen this so, so many times, you know, uh, that, that an orphan, that a person who is influenced by an orphan's mindset will try something because they want to succeed. But if they don't succeed and they fail, they really beat themselves up. They go into depression for months. They feel like nobody loves me. I'm good at nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. just non-stop. But I want to tell you, you are plagued by the mindset of an orphan. Because it is not in our successes that we mature. It is actually in the lessons of failure that we learn to mature. And every time we fail, it gives us an opportunity to never make those mistakes again. But orphans never seem to learn their lesson. They keep going back to the same spot again and again and again. Number eight. No matter what people say, it is never their fault. But it's always somebody else's fault. If you look at what Eve did in the garden, when God came to her, she said, no, no, I didn't do it. The serpent did it. He led me. She did it. He did it. We. The blame always goes to somebody else. You know, I, I love it. When people come up to me and take responsibility, even if it's not their fault. Sons who are so secure understand that there's a purpose to their life. And so whenever there's a flaw, they take the responsibility and say, I will fix it. Even if it is not their mistake. This is going to change our church. This is going to change the world. Christianity in itself is changing right now. We need to be so secure that God doesn't hate us, but He loves us. He's already accepted us. So when there's, when, when there's something that needs to be done and there's a flaw, there's a mistake, there's a, there's a glass that's broken in the house, a son rises up and says, I will fix it. And not looking to blame somebody else. Number nine, in a church, they look to a father and mother of the house ...to add value to their vision. (laughs) They come to the church because they say, wow, you know, we have a good worship team... ...and we have good lights and, you know, we have good uh, awesome stuff... ...lots of freedom to do free worship and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they they think, I can come to this church... ...and now this church has to revolve around what I say and what I do... ...and what the vision that God has placed on my life. I want to tell you, you might have a vision from God... ...but that vision is only temporary... Because with the vision comes the provision. With the vision from God, there's an eternal provision. You don't need people to provide for you. God provides for you but when you come into a house and you're a son that is in your perfect identity you don't look to the mother and father of the house to fulfill your vision in fact you take your vision and you submit it at their feet and then you fulfill the vision that is on their life why? it's because God has favored them God has favored them I see this so often in churches that people come to church for what they need they don't come to church to fulfill the vision that is on the house but that's because there's an often mindset that has rooted itself in Christianity, that has rooted itself in a Christian's life. We're going to go deeper in this. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun over the next few weeks. But let me get to the 10th one. The 10th one is their relationship with God is that God is their master and not their father. They are in a mindset that God is a perfectionist and he will only be pleased with them if they serve Him, and their service is perfect. Ding! <laughs> everything has to be perfect. The tablecloth in the church has to be perfect. Oh, everything, perfect, perfect. Oh, the lights have to be perfect. You know, I've, I've heard people say this. If you, the temperature in the room has to be perfect. If the temperature in the room is not perfect, the Holy Spirit won't come. I mean, come on. It's just an offense mindset temporary glory. I don't remember the last time God was hindered by weather patterns. In fact, he had more power over the weather patterns. See but often, even you can be a pastor, you can be a leader, you can be a congregation member, you can be a businessman and, you, and, and that often's mindset, you can be a businessman who's driven for success because you're not secure. You think a successful business is what 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 would make you feel complete, but what makes you feel complete is your identity as a son of God. I love the story. I, I just wanna I just wanna read this quote from uh, this phenomenal author. His name is Jack Frost, and he describes the orphan's m- mindset so beautifully. He says this: the mindset of an off of the orphan causes one to live life as if he does not have a safe and secure place in the Father's heart. He feels he has no place of affirmation, protection, comfort, belonging or affection. He is self-oriented, lonely and inwardly isolated. He has no one from whom to draw godly inheritance. Therefore, he has to strive, achieve, compete and earn everything he gets in life it easily leads to a life of anxiety fears and frustration we see in the in the life of jesus <clears throat> that even before jesus began his ministry when he was baptized he fulfilled all righteousness when he was baptized he came up from the water And the Bible says that he opened his eyes and he looked up and he saw heavens were opened to him. This is powerful. And then he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. And it is then that he heard the Father's voice. The one thing about the sons of God is that they are led by the Spirit. You can be misled by another voice but you can be led by the Holy Spirit. Now a lot of Christians have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them but they're not really led by the Holy Spirit because they have desires on the inside and they want those desires to be fulfilled and they think that God has given them those desires. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit leads you. Are you ready for this? The three things that you must keep in mind when the Holy Spirit leads you. When the Holy Spirit leads you, the first thing he does is he affirms your identity as a son of God. And so that begins your journey to manifest the glory of God. You understand your purpose is not for yourself now. It's for you to bring redemption to all of creation. The second thing he does when he leads you, right? He leads you into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, A lot of times people misunderstand that and they think the Holy Spirit tempts them. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't tempt you, but He leads you into a place where you exercise your authority that comes from your identity as a son. This is very powerful. The Holy Spirit leads you into a place where He wants you to exercise your authority so that you can overcome your enemy in the future. Oh. You must get it. The enemy that Jesus was going to finish at the cross was the first enemy that he met. It was the first enemy. God is not saying, okay, go into the baby pool now and then, you know, move and see if you can swim in the low area. The way God matures you, throws you in the deep end. The one that you're going to finish at the cross is the first enemy that you're going to get. And he said, and Jesus, you must understand, this is so powerful. Every response that Jesus had came from his identity. He spoke the word. Come on, man. Jesus is the word and he spoke from his identity. He didn't speak from an orphan's mindset. Oh, he didn't say, you know, my Adam, my father. And then, you know, Moses, my grandfather. You know, he didn't didn't mention any of that. He says, it is written. Which means your identity is inscribed on the tablets of your heart. God has marked you as his son. And it is from that place that you communicate to every storm. It is from that place you communicate to every idol. It's from that place you communicate to every enemy that you will ever face in your life. Every pandemic, you speak to the pandemic as a son who has authority over the pandemic. This is why it's important to be led by the Spirit. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he, he, he positions you to hear the voice of your Father. A lot of the times people say, Oh, you know, the Holy Spirit said this and the Holy Spirit said this and the Holy Spirit said that. Yes, He does, but He reveals to you the voice of your Heavenly Father. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8 and we'll read from verse 14 onwards. It says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Which means the Holy Spirit does not come and does not lead an orphan. This is powerful. The Holy Spirit does not lead A person who is ruled by the mindset of an orphan. He leads sons. The fact that your identity is that you are a son of God positions you to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does phenomenal things. The Holy Spirit, He he reveals the Father to you. Let's read verse verse 15 it says this for you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out Abba Father this is phenomenal he comes to the Holy Spirit's role on the inside of you is to confirm to you he bears witness that you are a son of God first the first thing he does is that you don't need the God the Father to do anything, you don't need Him to speak, you don't need Him to do anything in your life. The day you get saved and you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, He bears witness. When, the, when do you bear witness? When everything around you tells you that God is not a good father, that the circumstance in your life proves to you that, that God is not a good father... The Holy Spirit bears, I know without a shadow of a doubt. I know in my knowing that God is my father. This is powerful. God is my father. Yes, I have earthly parents. Yes, I have earthly spiritual parents. But my DNA is the divine nature of Abba father. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you. And and when you pray to to God the Father, you're not praying, God, my master. There's a a confidence that comes on the inside of you that when you communicate to to God the Father, you can call him Abba, Father. And Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples, he said, say this, Abba, Father. There's a confidence when you, can walk, when you can stand in the presence of God and not stand as a sinner, not stand as, a, as an orphan, but stand as one who is fully accepted and loved by the Father. And it's in that place that you communicate. You don't communicate to God from any other source except your identity as a son. You don't communicate to him as a a person in need of a breakthrough. God, I need a breakthrough. I need my bill to be paid. God, no, the bill is leading you to pray to God, not your identity. Sickness in the body is causing you to pray to God, not your identity. God responds to identity. Jesus was so phenomenal that when he was led by the Holy Spirit, he did not do anything on the earth outside the will of the Father. Bill Johnson says this, Jesus is perfect theology. And it's, it's absolutely true. Jesus was so submitted to the Father that he did not do anything that the Father did not do. In fact, whatever he whatever he heard the Father speak, he spoke. Whatever he saw the Father do, he did it. That is what the Holy Spirit does he, the Holy Spirit teaches you He guides you to be fully submitted when a person in a church or a business lacks submission they're ruled by the mindset of an orphan submission doesn't mean you give up your, your free will that you, have no, no, you can't make any choices in your life submission means that I seek your will before I make a decision. I submit my heart to you before I make my choice. And this is really what the Holy Spirit does to us. He comes to affirm in our hearts He is the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, And this verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Take Take a breath right now. Just hold your breath for a minute. You're an heir of God. Breathe out. You're not an heir. a fancy house you inherit God himself oh this is powerful if you're a son of God your confidence is in the fact that you're an heir of God indeed we suffer with him that we may be glorified together and this is the context really of what Paul was saying that the present sufferings and nothing compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And in closing, I want to say this. If I, if I have said anything in this message that has um, offended you or brought, uh, or, or brought hurt uh, to you, I want you to know that my heart is not for you to be hurt. My heart is not to offend you. My heart is just to reveal your heart. I just want you to be to 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 discern for yourself using God's word to discern and see what is on the inside of your heart because God really wants you to prosper, you know. He wants you to experience the blessing that Christ experiences. He wants you to be in this place where you are manifesting the glory of God and it's an ever increasing blessing. It's an ever increasing glory in your life. And so I just want to bless you with that. And I just want to let you know that my heart for you is that you should be blessed in abundance. I want to encourage you, each one of you, don't hold back. In this series, don't hold your heart back. Just allow your heart to be exposed. We're all a work in progress. And nobody's trying to act better than anybody else. We're all working towards, we're all running this race. But all are running to win don't run in the opposite direction run to win the race God is with you God is for you in this season Kelsey and I love you and we're so grateful to God for you we're praying for you and we're believing that in this season that God would remove the seeds of Adam and implant the seeds of Christ the divine nature of Abba into your DNA. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. But with that sonship comes a responsibility to bring transformation to all of creation so that you can redeem them into the same glory that you are experiencing. I want to bless you. I want to tell you that we love you and we will see you next week.